0: You're listening to the Core Life Training. What is it? Core Life Training Podcast. Of course it is with Jeff Olson. Yo, dogs, what's going down? (laughs) And by dogs, I mean my friends. What's up? It's Jeff with the Core Life Training Podcast. You know what we're going to do, right? We're going to dig into the Bible, we're going to get down with some killer tunes. And cool out with a tasty, tasty drink of choice. Welcome to episode number 15. Now, if you're listening to this on post-date, it's Thursday, October 31st, which is one of my favorite days of the year. This is free candy day. It's Halloween. I love this holiday. I know some, some people are uptight about it and feel like it comes from a bad background and whatever and whatever. Listen, here's the truth about Halloween. You dress up in cool costumes, you march around the neighborhood, and you get free candy all night long. There's nothing about that that doesn't rule. So when I was a kid, my favorite hall, well, I mean, Christmas and my birthday maybe, but Halloween, man, is right up there. I would get my plastic Batman mask with the elastic string to hold it on, right? If you're a kid from the seventies, you know exactly what I mean. It came in that box and it had like a plastic mask and like a, I don't know, like a little onesie t-shirt kind of thing for your costume. Then we'd grab a pillowcase and march around the neighborhood and grab as much candy as we possibly could. My favorite part was coming home and dumping the whole thing out on the floor. My sister would organize hers into piles. I just would go through mine, and then we would trade, and I would get rid of all the crappy stuff and get all the good stuff that I like. So I'm into Halloween. Looking forward to the kids coming by our neighborhood and uh, handing out candy. I love seeing how they dress up and stuff. It's a lot of fun. I dig that stuff. Hope you guys have a great Halloween if you're into that kind of thing, which I am. All right, now, so on this episode. Of all the things that God could want most, right, God could have everything He wants, anything He wants, ultimately would get everything that He wants. And at the very top of His list of all the things He could want most, why does He want your heart above all things? God could demand and have your obedience to every single command. He could have your sacrifice for His kingdom. He could have your service to his church and his mission, but before and above all of that, he wants your heart to be in love with him. Why is that? Now there's a lot of questions in the Bible. There's a lot of things in the Bible that people ask me all the time. Why is it that way? Or why does God say that or do that? And the Bible doesn't answer the why question all the time. Thankfully, in this case, Scripture does give us an answer. It doesn't leave us guessing. Why does God want your heart? There's a great reason given in Scripture And if you have church background, I bet you're not going to see this one coming. So what you're going to hear is live audio that's been recorded at a Core 2 class I taught in Sisters, Oregon at Vast Church in 2017. These episodes have been a little bit longer. I hope that's been cool with you. Uh, The biblical stuff, in it's just too good for me to leave any out, at least in my opinion. I hope that's been worth your while. So why don't you grab a Bible and grab a notebook and grab your drink of choice, and let's get down to Business. I didn't really ask this question at the beginning but I'm going to ask it now and I hope it makes really good sense now at the end of this class. Why does God want your heart anyway? I mean, I spent the whole weekend saying God wants your heart and He wants you to love Him above all things but why is that? God wants my heart because if God has my heart, He has my whole life. If God has my heart, He has my whole life. The heart is where life comes from. And what I want to do here in the last bit of our time together is describe the confusion that many of us have experienced in church about where does my life actually generate from. And then I want to I want to show you in Scripture that all of your life actually comes from your heart. And then again, say a little bit more about what we should do about that. So where does life come from? This has been a little confusing, I think, for a lot of people in the church. And I'll, I'll show you a, a few different versions or a few different, different options that maybe you've heard in the past. I was, I was taught that this is the way your life goes. That your life really works out of your mind and then your will follows and then your emotions follow that. This is the train that I was, I was taught. That your mind actually drives your life. It's what you think and what you believe that make your life move forward. So in other words, if you think and believe correct things, then you will decide correct things to do. You will make correct choices. And ultimately, whether you feel good about it or not doesn't really matter because you will have done the right thing. And the best way I've heard this is that ultimately your emotions will finally follow. So you know that you should love your wife above all other women, and God commands you to be committed to her faithfully. And so I know that, I believe that, I learned the truths of that even more fully, and I'm gonna choose to do that. I'm choosing to love my, I'm choosing to do good things for her, I'm choosing, and eventually, if I just think the right thoughts about her and do the right things for her, I'll find myself loving her more. So the problem with this is, I I was always taught, like, um, you know, if, if a dump truck is coming down the road and you're in the middle of the road, you need to see and understand that and believe that the dump truck is coming down the road. And if you see and understand it clearly, you'll decide to get out of the road. And if you don't get out of the road, it means you don't believe that the dump truck's coming. Right? You don't really believe it enough. And so we need to teach you more and you need to believe it better. But the problem is, what if, what if there is a different reason for me not moving out of the road than I don't believe it? What if I'm tied down in the middle of the road? Oh, I'm sure as heck believe a dump truck's coming. I'm bummed about it, but I can't move. <laughs> so there are other explanations than just I don't believe it enough, right? So if you really believed that sin was bad for you, you wouldn't do it. There was a whole generation of Christian kids that learned sexual abstinence this way. Sex before marriage is bad, you'll get STDs, you could get pregnant, so don't do it. So let's teach you all the bad things and then you'll decide the right way and how you feel about it doesn't really matter or it'll follow along afterwards. But what if there's some other problem than I, or some other reason for me not doing the thing that I don't believe? Um, if I have a bag of gold, like two big giant sacks of gold, because I'm a miner, and I fall into the ocean. Well, I believe I'm going to drown, right? I, I know I'm in the water, and I'm, these are too heavy for me to swim, and I believe it. Well, why aren't you letting go? Just believe it and let go, and well, what's, what, what may be another problem here? I love gold, right? I value gold. So my decision isn't a truth-based decision here. It's what? A heart-based decision. So we've been told if you just believe enough, you'll do the right thing. And if you don't do the right thing, it's because you don't believe enough. And the, so then the solution is teach more truths about dump trucks and how dangerous they are and how they'll hurt you. And uh, the, the dangers are drowning and memorize Bible verses about it. And ultimately it's called cognitive therapy. We'll, we'll work on your mind and help you think right things and then your behavior will follow it. But the truth is there's a hundred other reasons why you might be behaving a certain way that don't have anything to do with your mind. Um, Another version that I have learned or that you might have learned, do the right thing no matter what you think about it. Just do the right thing, okay? Just decide to do what's right, whether you think it makes sense or don't think it makes sense, whether you understand it or don't understand it, just do the right thing. And you'll come to understand it, you'll start to sort it out, But do the right thing. And your thoughts about it will get in line. And ultimately, how you feel about it doesn't really matter. Or your feelings will ultimately get in line. Just do the right thing. Start there. So at this point, Christianity becomes a behavior management game. And you know as as I told you, it's checklist Christianity. This is really just about deciding to do the right things, whether you like it or don't like it, whether you feel honest about it or not. Sing these songs, whether that's how you feel in your heart or not. Say the words because that's what we're doing. Um, Whether you love God or don't love God, give money. Confess your sins to God, whether you're sorry for them or not. How you feel about it doesn't matter. Do the right thing. Read your Bible an hour a day every day or 30 minutes a day every day. doesn't matter how you feel about it. It's the right thing. Do it. So Christianity becomes behavior management. Uh, Pornography. Just don't. Just don't do it. Get accountability. Uh, Get filtering software. Have your wife get an email whenever you look at something you shouldn't look at or have a buddy, whatever. Just don't do it. That's the solution here. The problem with this version of Christianity is it can be a great cover for idolatry because I can do all the right things and I can love my idol forever. I can not look at pornography. I can read my Bible. I can give my money. And right, we've talked about this. I can do all the right things and be the worst idol worshiper in the world. So the do the right thing version of Christianity where your life is really based out of your choices um, can, can just be a huge cover for idolatry. And it is a huge cover. And it's also a huge um, cul-de-sac for Christians to get stuck in. And we, we've talked about that cycle of just being stuck with God because I actually can't win this game. So basically this all, Uh, this version definitely does. This version is another way at Checklist Christianity. So I'm going to teach you the right things. You're going to do the right things. If you don't do the right things, it's because you don't believe them enough. You don't really believe it. Because if you really believed it, you'd do it. If we really believed that God loves us, we would just go ahead and, or if we really believed that this sin was bad, we just wouldn't do it. Well, maybe I really believe it, but I have a different problem. Maybe I just love myself a lot. Right? I believe punching you in the neck is wrong. But that doesn't mean I don't want to do it a lot. <laughs> My problem isn't that I don't believe punching you in the neck is wrong. It's that I'm a sinner and I love me and I love letting you have it when you've crossed me. I, I'll never actually punch you in the neck, by the way, just so you know. Like, What's up with the Are neck? No, the neck is a perfect place. <laughs> Teddy bear. Huggy bear is what, Ryan, huggy bear is like what people call me all the time, <laughs> right? I'm the huggiest bear there is. I think this is why so many Christians struggle with following Jesus because we're not actually addressing the root of life. So whether you got the mind in the front of the train or the will in the front of the train, we're not actually addressing the root issues. The Bible teaches us that life actually comes from your heart, right? right? So... Here's the biblical version of this train. Your heart leads your mind and your will. And who doesn't care? I don't care. The Bible doesn't really care about which of those cars comes first. The point is that your life actually starts in your heart. It comes from your heart. So let me just give you a bunch of scriptures. And I want to go quickly here because we're running low on time. But I want to go quickly. And I'll just give you some examples. Your words come from your heart. What you say comes from your heart. Matthew twelve thirty four. This is the context of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, saying things, saying that Jesus was doing miracles by the power of the devil instead of by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, that's, you probably shouldn't do that. You can say all kinds of things about me. You don't want to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And what, what Jesus says is that out of the overflow of the what? The heart, the mouth speaks. You don't know truth and you, know, you don't know the right thing to say and decide the right thing to say and then say the right thing, what's in your heart actually comes out your mouth. That's the truth of it. And I didn't make that up. Jesus did, right? So when I pop off to you, because for whatever reason, that's because there's something wrong in my heart. That's not a truth problem. It's not that I don't know that that's a sinful thing to say, right? I got a heart problem. My heart's filled with anger. So out it comes. Uh, when you gossip, that's not a truth issue. It's not that you don't know gossiping's wrong. You've already self-justified and self-explained why it's okay for you to gossip. And your problem is you have hatred in your heart. You have jealousy in your heart towards someone else. And so hateful and jealous words come out your mouth and you want to make them look bad and you look good because you don't like them very much. That's a heart problem. Matthew 15, uh, verse 18. Uh, again, this is the context where uh, the disciples were eating without washing their hands, and the Pharisees were all bent out of shape about it. And Jesus said, don't you understand, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, it's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. Because what comes out of your mouth, um, all kinds of things like evil, murders, and adultery, what comes out of your mouth comes from where? It comes from your heart. That's why it defiles you. So your words come from your heart, your actions and your thoughts come from your heart. This is Matthew 15, 19. It's the same, same context. And a, verse 19. For out of the heart comes. You read your text. Out of your heart, what's the first thing that comes out of your heart? So your thoughts come from your heart. We think of our thoughts as a mind issue. Just think the right thoughts. Where do our thoughts come from? The stuff that's running around our heart. The feelings and affections and emotions that are in our heart drive the way we think. If I love you and appreciate you and am thankful for you, I tend to think pretty good things about you. If somebody kind of crosses you or gives you a bad first impression or comes off the wrong way or has like honestly hurt you or harmed you, what do you tend to think about them? Bad things. Why? Is it based on the truth about certain things? No, it's based on your experience. And I mean, it may be a true experience, but you know what I'm saying? It's like you have... Hurtful thoughts, or hurtful things in your heart. And so you think evil things about them, right? So out of your heart come evil thoughts. What else? Murders. Is murder an action? You better believe it. So my actions, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, slanders. These all come from the heart. So where does fornication come from? Where does sexual immorality come from? Is it that I got to know the truth and have accountability and then decide and be committed to certain? No. We end up in sexual immorality because of a heart problem. Well, the way we try to change it is by accountability. So uh, Ryan and Garth and Mike are going to hold me accountable uh, for what I do on the internet And every week I'm going to get together and share with them and they're going to yell at me for being bad. Look, here's the truth. If you love it, it doesn't matter who's in the room telling you you can't do it. You're going to do it. So I don't care who's in the room. If you tell me you cannot feed your children, I don't care who's in the room telling me that. I'll beat down all seven of you. I just don't care because I love my kids. If you love it, you're going to get to it. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, the deeds of the flesh. All those deeds come out out of our heart. Our natural desires, our natural appetites, they've been redeemed and redirected in Jesus. But again, we still have those lingering habits. So your life comes from your heart. Love, desire, value, treasure, want, wanting, or not wanting, hate. I will not eat split pea soup. Not out of the logic of it because it's gross to me. It's just gross. I will not eat octopus tentacles. Why? There's no logic at all in it. It's just gross. I hate it in my heart. I just won't. So all of these things come from my heart and it's my heart that moves me to action. What possesses a man to buy a ring and promise his whole life forever to one out of four billion women, that is not a logic move. That's a heart move. What possesses a man to be up at 3 a.m. in the dark, in the cold, to go sit in a dark and cold boat on a dark and cold river to catch slimy fish that come out of the river? That's not a logic move. They just love it. Why do kids stay up till midnight and and camp out in front of Best Buy for three days to get uh, the latest video game that's coming out? What, what possesses somebody to do that? You can buy it that morning, right? I mean, my son Evan's like, hey dad, can we go at midnight to get this game? And I was like, Evan, this is the last game that came out this last fall and it was a big deal and I got it for him. And I, I like the game too, personally. But I was like, Evan, it will be available at 9 a.m. when the store opens. Like, we'll, but why, he just loves it, right? We do stupid and crazy things because of our heart. I would drive from Seattle to Vancouver uh, three-hour drive to visit Brenda when we were dating. I would drive down for three hours to spend two hours in an evening with her and then drive three hours back and get home at about 1.30 in the morning. Why? Because I loved the woman, right? It's our heart that moves us and it's hatred and dislike and not valuing things that move us not to do things. So it's a distaste for sin that will move us not to do it, okay? I mean, we can know the truth and be held accountable and we can, by our will, decide not to do it for a while. But if my heart still loves the sin, guess what? I'll find my way back to it. I don't care who's holding me accountable. I'm suggesting the solution is not to get more accountability. You gotta know the truth more, but for different reasons. And it's not deciding harder and being really more committed. I need my heart changed. I need to love God more and my life for God's glory will follow because we do what we love and we don't do what we hate and all things, all things being equal. And you can change that for a while. You can put me in a prison and I will not take care of my ch- children even though I love them because I can't. I'm, I'm bound up. But eventually, I'm going to find my way out and I'm going to get there. And all things being equal, <laughs> we don't do what well, we hate. Now, you can put a gun to my head and I might do, I'll, I'll eat some slippy soup. For You got a gun to my head? Okay, I'll, I'll do it. It's fine. I don't hate it that much. But all things being equal, we do what we love and we don't do what we hate. That's the bottom line. And I didn't make that up. Jesus said so. Your life, your words, your deeds, they come from your heart. I didn't make that up. So this is, I, you know, in my mind, this is why accountability groups rarely work. Because we're trying to deal with behaviors, not the heart. We're saying to people, stop doing something you love and we're never dealing with what they love. I had a group of guys uh, when uh, we were, I was doing college ministry, they were in a band and they kind of wanted me to be their band cha- chaplain, like this group of college age guys. And they wanted me to kind of, and I was their college pastor, so I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, and I'll meet with, meet, I'll meet with the band and kind of help them do some discipleship stuff. And they, they wanted to deal with the sin of masturbation. For them, this is a big issue and they just wanted to deal with, some of their thoughts and how they, were, how they were handling it. So I'm like, okay, no problem, let's, let's do this. And I'm, gonna, I'm like, I'm gonna hold them accountable to this. So, you know, I said, okay, how's it going? And they're like, oh, not so good and whatever. And I'm like, okay, yes, this is bad and you, here's why. And your heart and your mind are meant for your wife and this is blah, blah, blah. And I, I laid all the truth on them and said, don't do it. And I'm gonna ask you about it next week. They came back the next week and I started over here. I said, how, how'd it go? You know, in varying degrees of not good. Right? So I laid it on him again. Right? And I give, I give him the word and I let him have it and I tell him, I'm going to ask you again. Will you come back the next week and it's the same story? Same story. And so now I'm going to get serious about it. Now I'm like, I'm, we're going to add some skin in the game here. Like, all right, here's the deal. Every time this week you do that, you're going to pay me $5. Now every time I do it, I'll pay you 50 And they're like, oh, you're married. That's not fair. I'm like, that's why I'll pay you 50 Like, Right? I, I kind of have an out here. So I'll my auntie, I'll pay you 50 for every time I do it. You pay me five bucks. The next week we showed up, $85 went onto my living room table. <laughs> Not from me, from them. Five guys put 85 bucks on my table. I mean, just, and they looked at me and I looked at the money and they looked at me and they, you know they're kind of like, well, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> and one of them, one of them, One of them said, are you going to give that to missions? And I said, no, I'm going to take my wife. I'm going to waste it. I'm not going to spend your money on missions so that you can somehow think your sin is funding global missions. Like, no way. I'm wasting this money. Okay, so what was the problem? I was was really working at the behavior level. They still loved their sin. They still loved their sin. And I was not dealing with that. That's why accountability groups rarely work. All right, dig it. God wants your heart above all things, and He wants it because your whole life comes from your heart. If God has my heart, He has everything about me. And that leaves us with one more issue to deal with in Core 2, loving God passionately. What should I do to stoke up my heart for God? If He wants my heart in love for Him, and I should love Him passionately, what can I do to help my heart love God above all things? All right, that's going to be next week's episode. I hope you guys come back and check that one out as well. In any live class, we have a lot of time for questions and conversation. If you have any questions about what I'm covering, if I'm not being clear or you just want to talk about it, I'd love it if you'd email me at jeff at corelifetraining.org or you can message me at the Core Life Training Facebook page or the Instagram page as well. Okay, so last thing, we have a great group registered for our upcoming Core Life Training class on Isaiah. It's happening Sunday night, November 17th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Hoppy Brewer, and I'm totally stoked to reconnect with some people that have been in classes before. I'm excited to meet some new people as well. And if you're local and you still want to jump in, we have some seats left, man. So go to corelifetraining.org slash Isaiah for all the details and registration. I'd love to see you there. Hey, that's it for this episode. Thanks for checking it out. Don't forget, after the outro is your drink of choice and your metal moment if you dig it. My name is Jeff Olson. I teach the Bible, and I will check you later. So here we are with this episode's drink of choice, and this is going to be one of my all-time favorites. Now, I know the joke is with me that I have 12 top three all-time favorite stouts so it kind of doesn't matter what imperial stout it is it's like always one of my top three uh, but we actually kind of went through this conversation just the other day and i tried to pull together my actual and legitimate top three or top four or top five imperial stouts and this one will definitely be in my for real top three or top four or five not in my top 12 top five this one is the abyss barrel aged imperial stout Uh, It's the 2018 reserve version of it, but every single year is awesome. This comes from Deschutes Brewery. They put it out every single year at the end of the year. And man, this thing is equal parts roasty, decadent, and deep, as they say on the bottle. (laughs) Pure descriptions crack me up, man. Roasty, decadent, and deep. All I know is that this beer rules every single year. Every single year, one of my favorite days is when Deschutes pulls out The Abyss from previous years, and they put together flights so that you can taste them back to back. 2019 version should be out anytime now, and I can't wait for that one. Uh, so this week's drink of choice is The Abyss, Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout, 2018 Reserve. And your metal moment this week comes from Crown. These guys are from Italy. It's a guy and two gals. They play super heavy music. I've played them before on the podcast. Uh, I'm going back to Crown because this week I went to 1982, one of my favorite movies of all time, Conan the Barbarian. I watched that again. In 82, I was 12 years old. I loved Dungeons & Dragons, and Arnold Schwarzenegger was one of my superheroes. So in keeping with the Conan kick that I'm on, I want to play the track Forge of Crom" by Crown. I hope you guys dig this one. I love it. These guys just finished mastering their new record earlier this year. I'm waiting to find out when they're going to release this thing. In the meantime, here's Forge of Crom" by Crown. You should grab your drink of choice, kick back, crank this one up, And I will check you later.